0: So this is technically our fourth blind cast, and I have with me today my wife, Brianna Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Kailasville this weekend, and we did a few things. So start off with we actually we stayed the night in Sandpoint with your parents, hung out there. Did we really do anything? Just have dinner
1: and my dad's birthday.
0: Oh yeah, we had birthday, and instead of cake we had cinnamon rolls. Yep. And you have to have extra gooey cinnamon rolls.
1: And extra we- butter.
0: Yeah, extra gooey and extra butter. You can't have just regular cinnamon rolls. you got to have a hard tack and a pan. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had cinnamon rolls for dessert on Wednesday night. And what did your dad get for his birthday gifts?
1: We got him some nice gloves to use outside. Oh, yeah, work gloves. And my friend clothes. Shy bought him a t-shirt that says Spam on it.
0: Yeah, so the Spam shirt is kind of an ongoing joke between him and Shy. Last summer, Dennis brought a can of Spam to, uh, it was one of your, or it was a white coat ceremony? My
1: white coat two ceremony. Two years ago. Because Shy is from Hawaii, and they always Yeah, apparently,
0: spam. apparently on the islands, they Spam is a staple that's well known. So, Dennis brought fried Spam, and everyone was giving it the stink eye, but then ended up eating all of it. So, he was pretty happy about that. And then, so Shy, for his birthday this year, got him a Spam shirt. So he's pretty proud yeah. of the spam shirt.
1: Yeah. He likes it.
0: Yeah. And then we got up and made breakfast and then got on the road to go to Calspell. But on the way there we stopped and we we went the north way through Libby. Bonner's Ferry to Libby, but before we got to Libby we stopped at that pass. What was that called?
1: I don't even know what it's called, but it has like a it's right on the Kootenai River.
0: Is it just like Kootenai Falls or something?
1: Yeah cooney falls yeah and it has like a suspension bridge like a swinging and the bridge swings
0: yeah so we had to go well what you do is you you park off the main highway and then you walk down a little ways And there's some signs that tell you a little bit about the the native fish so bull trout being part of the char family tells you a little bit about that which probably didn't read any of (laughs) no there's the white sturgeon yeah and so they're native there and um There's, there actually is like efforts for rehabilitating those. And your dad was part of that project down in Bonners. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting to know that those fish live up in those falls and we didn't see any of those fish or anything, but you go down and then you have to go up and over top of the railroad tracks and then back down to the river. And then you follow this trail down river to a suspension bridge. And when I thought... The map showed that there was a bridge. I was not expecting this bridge. And it was way sketchier than what I was expecting.
1: Only five people are allowed on it at one time. And it's
0: just like a generic rule. There's no one regulating this thing. <laughs> it's like you left, you leave all the rednecks that are out there in Bonner's Ferry to their own devices. And you go, okay, five at a time. Be safe. That's it. Go down the suspension bridge. And if you bounce on it or you kind of wobble or whatever, like you can feel every step.
1: Yeah. It swings. It was crazy.
0: I was surprised. And you're high. You're 80 plus feet up. Yeah. I hocked one off of the top of it, and it was three and a half plus seconds to hit the water.
1: It takes your loogie a while to get there. Yeah. To the bottom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we spent a, f- a few minutes down there. And we, well, we actually hiked down to the water. and Brian decided that she needed to test the waters. It was cold. It's the middle of October, and the water is freezing. And so Brian's waiting in the water and these people are looking at us like she's nuts <laughs> I was looking at her like she's nuts <laughs> and then as we were walking on the riverbank um I jumped a moose out of its bed so I was like yelling that there was a moose and <laughs> Bryce trying to get her feet all dried off to run up and see this thing <laughs> they went off into the woods and we ended up kind of off-roading it back to the trail to get back to the to the truck But yeah, so that was kind of, right off the bat, we kind of had a cool little adventure. Mm -hmm. The suspension bridge, and then... uh,
1: Well, then um, all the fall colors of the tamarack trees that are changing and all that was really pretty.
0: Yeah, the drive was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I had never, I don't think, I've been, I have done that drive one other time. And it was for a playoff game when Ryan's little brother went and played in uh, in Libby. They had a playoff game up there. And so, but driving that Northway, I'd never done before. Before, mm-hmm. you know, I've done it one other time, but hardly remember that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so that was really cool, just to drive through Libby. And then, do we spend any time in Libby at all? We kind of stopped and then we went on to Kalispell. Yeah. yeah. So we went on to Kalispell. What our plans were for the weekend is we, we rented an Airbnb and we were meeting my parents. And then my older sister and her two boys tagged along. And we spent the rest of the day pounding around with them we actually went to the river for a little bit while they were getting into town and it was just like it was kind of an an awesome like evening on the river real quiet there were some other fishermen people getting off the the water with their drift boats but other than that it was just real quiet and not really any weather to speak of it was kind of chilly kind of that fall fall yeah. sunset that you get and Bryce snapped a couple of cool photos and and posted them on uh, the the blindcast one and and we got the most likes of any photo yeah. we have on our on our Instagram account right now, so that was a win. Um, so from there we went and met up with my family, and we spent two nights with them in an Airbnb. The the following morning after we got there, we, Friday morning, Friday morning, we got go to go to. I'll let you talk about this one though. So we went to uh, what was the the company that did their the flights.
1: We did a Montana Air Adventures flight over Glacier Park. Yeah. Because we did it a year ago because it was a wedding gift and we couldn't go fly over Glacier National Park because it was so socked in. So we ended up just flying over Flathead Lake. So we wanted to go again. So this time we got really nice weather.
0: Yeah. Super
1: Wished Which to, to interrupt real quick,
0: I was okay with the flight over Flathead. Because this is last year, or 2016, the biggest ram in the world was found on Wild Horse Island on Flathead. And we were a year after this, but we went and flew and, and went and circled that island. And we got to see that herd that the, the world record was living in. And then it died of natural causes and they found it. So it never it was taken by a big game hunter. But I I thought that was a cool part of our first is that we got to go and see that that same herd that the world record was out of and potentially the next world record yeah sheep so we did that two years ago right or last year last year and then now we're back again this year yeah and like bryce said we had amazing weather
1: yeah it was flying over glacier park was probably the most spectacular thing i've ever seen i mean just like the we flew Felt like we were really close to the rock faces and just saw these glaciers and mountain lakes. And but you
0: knew more about the park than I did because I would only been there one time a long time ago. And we spent a little time... I mean, I don't even know. We might have been in Whitefish or something, but I really don't remember being in the park
1: at yeah, all. Yeah, I've been there, I think, maybe three or four times just taking, you know, family up there or whatever. But I just know, like, when you drive into the park must be from the west side. Then you go by Lake McDonald's and there's like a big lodge there that you can go to and then drive the famous Going to the Sun Road, which is just this like tiny little two-lane road um, with a big rock cliff on the side.
0: So was this the same park that you guys had um, a Billy Following you or or a a mountain mountain goat?
1: Yeah, once you get up to the visitor center, you can go on some pretty, like a pretty long hike. I'm not sure how far, but there is another mountain lake back there that you can hike into. But that's probably like a good two-mile hike back in there. But yeah, like the billy goats, they just, they're so used to people. Like they just don't even, they don't even care. And so we were walking on the trail and I just look back and there's this goat. I mean, probably, like, five feet behind me, and just falling right along behind me, not really caring that I was there, and just, so all we did was just kind of step off, and he walked right by, and I could probably just reach out and touch him if I was brave enough, but...
0: Wow, uh, is that close.
1: Oh, yeah, they just Ooh, don't What's even... the
0: story? Wasn't there your dad sitting having lunch, or, or no, there was a de- another guy that was having lunch in the billy... Yeah,
1: and the billy goat, just, the guy was just looking at the scenery, and the billy goat was just curious, and walked up, and just... Put its nose right on the guy's cheek, and then the guy, of course, freaked because he didn't (laughs) see it, but (laughs) yeah, it's just, they just are so used to people that they don't really, I mean, I don't think they're, like, tame, where you can just, like, pet them and stuff, but I mean, they're... No, but they're not worried about it. They're curious, and yeah. yeah. The only time, well, after that goat was following me, then we kind of turned around and followed it kind of off this trail, and we found a mom and the baby... I'm not sure what a baby Billy Goat is called, but we... uh I think it's a kid. A kid, yeah. So we saw the kid, and the mom kind of got a little bit protective. So it's just a nanny, kinda...
0: a Billy, and a kid.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. A nanny. So we saw a nanny and a kid. And we weren't, like, close to him by any means, but it was definitely close enough where, like, the nanny was getting kind of protective. So we just turned around and walked back out, but...
0: Hmm.
1: yeah it's pretty neat so on our flight we flew right over the visitor center so at least I could kind of recognize the visitor center but
0: yeah it's kind of tough to so everyone when you go to Kalispell you look kind of northeast and people say that's where the park is and you can see the mountain range where it, the border of the park would be on just the other side of that mountain range because that's not quite the park yet you go over that and that's the same valley that hungry horse reservoirs right. in and then as soon as you cross the river right there that's yeah, the north the fork of the flathead and that's the park's boundary coming from the west
1: mm-hmm.
0: or the yeah south um east of, heading north no southwest heading north something like that east. yeah anyway so you're going you're going <laughs> you're going northeast away from Kalispell when you're going into the park yeah and so we We get up, and we can tell it's going to be just a really clear day. And we didn't really realize how kind of a unique of an opportunity it was until our uh, guide and pilot, Pete, um, he's been doing it for years. I mean, he was going to college and started getting his pilot's license. So he's been up in that area flying for many, many years and said, you don't get days like this very often to go to the park, fly around. So he was... I think he was having a better time than we were.
1: Yeah, really. He just was like so he knew, excited about the peaks and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: he knew all the different peaks names, all the like a lot of the, the different um the lakes. And then he said there's twenty six or twenty-seven different glaciers that are still visible. Mm-hmm. Um they're really small. I was surprised at how small most of them were and um we had seen some glaciers in Alaska and prior to us going up there, or maybe it was after we got back, we, we saw a glacier called the Mendenhall. And we had some pictures of it from when we were there in 2016. And then your parents showed us pictures from the same glacier 50 years ago, 40 years ago?
1: Yeah, in the 80s.
0: Oh, I guess so. Not that many years ago. But
1: yeah. it was 80s. it had
0: <laughs> receded a ton. And so it's we had um, my sister's boys with us. And so by the time that they're our age and get to go do that again, a lot of those glaciers are going to probably be gone. Yeah.
1: It's kind of yeah. sad. But yeah, it just was like, I had no idea that it looked, I mean, you can see it from the road, but I mean, just having that aerial view, it just gives you such a larger amount of respect for like nature. and.
0: I, I agree with you in a lot of ways, but in some ways it, it's, <clears throat> so for the situation that you're in, you're in a little plane packed in there and you're potentially 10,000 feet up in the air.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're kind of just hunkered in, and you're very comfortable looking at some of the most rugged terrain, you know, known to man. And you're just hanging out, and you're very—I mean, it's a—you're—you're you're in a very comfortable state when you're, when you're way out in the middle of nowhere, and you don't—you, I think you appreciate the beauty, but I don't think you appreciate the ruggedness of where you're at. And and if you were on the ground in that location, like what, what you would be facing far as a survival type situation, so it like that was kind of cool, and to see how how rugged this terrain was. I mean, in the valleys, it's very beautiful, and there's tamaracks that were changing colors, and and the forest looked really green despite you know a huge burn that went through this summer. Mm -hmm. But and you can see how life could be just flourishing throughout these valleys, but you get up higher, and there's nothing. It's very desolate. It's rocks. You know, everywhere, and the cliffs are just sheer cliffs. I mean, straight up and down, and we we didn't see any sheep up high or anything. We were looking for them, but there was nothing to be had up there. Plus, it was kind of snowy, so we probably just missed them. Yeah. But yeah, we were flying right through canyons and bowls, and right next to big old cliff sides, and
1: yeah, it was impressive. And then that lookout that we saw that they go up there and you know stay in the lookout to look for fires and stuff and. That would be pretty cool to just, yeah, be up there. But we are making the comment on the plane, like, hopefully you don't forget any supplies. Yeah. Because it probably took you a few hours to hike up there.
0: Which I don't know if they dropped people off in the helicopters on that one or not, but the hike in there looked pretty intense. And this lookout, it's below one of the main peaks mm-hmm. in the park, I believe. And I'm not sure what the peak's called or the lookout's called, but it'd be kind of uh, fun to check it out and just hike up there and look at it it would be quite the trek to get up there but it's literally on like a knife edge it's one side is steeper in a cow's face and the other side is about the same and it's just built right on the middle of this ridge line yeah i mean it's probably one of the most spectacular lookouts i've seen
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know traveling to visit some of these throughout montana and stuff like this one is probably one of the most isolated lookout lookouts <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because
0: <laughs> imagine being up there in the middle of the woods, and you might get one or two visitors every other day.
1: Is well, that and that probably. one?
0: I don't think you get one. No, I mean maybe a flyby from a plane, but you're out there. Yeah. So
1: if you needed some time to yourself, that would be the place to go.
0: <laughs> so we're talking about taking this flight into some, one of the more spectacular sites that we you see in in Montana, um, in the north. The northwest of montana and we kind of skip over the fact that we have a four and a seven-year-old with us <laughs> so we we thought it would be a very uh, cool experience to bring those guys along with us um, but we kind of failed to realize that the beauty of the the park might be lost on a seven and a four-year-old so the four-year-old was about half asleep most of the time which was fine and, and cute you know he he had his headset on and he had a good time getting in the plane and taking off and he had you know he wasn't scared at all which was really nice but the seven-year-old Lucas he found out that pretty quickly uh he sounded really cool in the headset so the entire one hour flight we were looking at probably some of the most beautiful scenery we've ever seen and we we're having a seven-year-old make frog noises in the headset his <laughs> yes ribbit <laughs> <laughs> and he just yeah he was doing croaking noises and all sorts of stuff
1: yeah it was uh you were sitting there like wow this is beautiful and about that time you just hear it.
0: like,
1: okay bring me back to right now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so then after that it was just an hour which was good we had didn't have any turbulence which was good except for one time I was sitting right next to a window that kinda went it was like a sheer wall of a window. And I was kinda looking down and the pilot decided to bank a little bit, so I got a little uh little vertigo there, but
0: Yeah, so the that, window was... she's talking about, it starts way above your head mm-hmm. and it, it wraps around the whole door. So it comes down and the window itself starts to bend. And you kinda when you're looking through a piece of glass that's bent and you kinda get that weird um shapes that start forming like that's what it looks like when you're looking straight down out of this plane and it goes down right about your feet so yeah. when you're looking down you're looking almost straight down well then if you take a 45 degree or a 50 degree bank you're not looking you're looking like you're looking right down okay <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it looks like you're <laughs> ready to fall this plane because I, I had that seat last time we went on that plane
1: yeah made me a little sick to my stomach, but yeah. other than that, it was...
0: Excited. Other than that, everyone made it through without getting sick. There was a couple maneuvers that were pretty uh, pretty cool. Yeah. At one point, we were coming zipping down a, a ridge line, and Pete goes, oh, man, we're hauling. And we come across around this peak, and there's a ridge that runs down the backside of this peak. And he just gains altitude just super fast and lifts up right over top of this um, knife edge of a, of a ridge. And just zooms over the top, and it was pretty incredible. And he's like, "That's really fun, as long as no one else is coming the other way." Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh man, do will tell me that. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So that was definitely the highlight of our of our week.
0: Yeah, and we we carp pumpkins. Okay, okay. so to t- t- jump from the most beautiful sink flight that we've ever done, <laughs> uh, we land. Me back with up with my parents got some coffee for my older sister yeah she was she was craving some coffee wait it's funny when you get to a when you know you're a coffee drinker when someone that like i i consider myself a coffee drinker Bry drinks coffee pretty regularly mm-hmm. and then when we taste her coffee and it's like a triple shot espresso with i don't know whatever she ordered but it was like I can imagine that thing would have got me bouncing off the walls.
1: Yeah, it's hair your chest.
0: Yeah, so we got some coffee, some donuts for the boys, and then we went back to the Airbnb. What do we do after that with them? We didn't really do a ton. We 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 carved pumpkins the night before mm-hmm. and decorated and did all these arts and crafts with the boys and stuff and kept them entertained and that was that was kind of the most of our weekend. Oh, we did a hike. That was the next oh, day.
1: Yeah. And then there, that was the same day. That was just right before they had left. That was the same day as our flight. Yeah. But we were kind of, our Airbnb was right at the base of this, like, state park. And so we drove up there because we weren't sure how far it was. But then Alex was looking on the map and noticed that you could hike from the top all the way down. And the trail connected just a little ways from where we were staying. So we ended up doing that. And it was nice. It was all downhill. But, you know, the little boys, one of them had to take a poop in the woods, gotcha. and <laughs> it so became this, a necessity.
0: <laughs> this this uh, state park is um, south of Highway 2 that comes in from Libby,
1: mm-hmm. and we
0: were staying just a mile, basically a mile down in, in kind of a subdivision, and behind that subdivision is where the state park was. And so we get up there, and we discover you can go all the way back down, and we we're halfway down, and Jonah's like, run it. Yeah, and he's like, "I gotta poop," and and we're like, "Okay, we're almost home." Like trying to encourage him, we're almost there, and he goes, "No, I need. I'm going to poop right here." See,
1: he's got the double grab—like the grab in the front and the grab in the back—going on.
0: Yeah, he's like, "No, I'm going right now." (laughs) And
1: Evans was like, "Just keep going. I'm just gonna poop right here."
0: And and Dad's like, "Just take him off the trail a little bit and." um, and he'll be he'll be fine, and so Mandy like takes him downhill and tries to get him behind the stump, and we realize that at that point the trail switchbacks, <laughs> so he's right <laughs> in the middle of this switchback, and we had to walk right past. him.
1: <laughs> oh man, it didn't phase him a bit though. He yeah. just did his business and he was off running again.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, after that we just sent them sent them off. Spent the rest of the weekend with my parents went out and uh, we played frisbee golf for the first time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad lived in the bushes. Mom needs to work on her distance, <laughs> but she's very consistent. Yes. And so we had a good time, and we went to dinner, and and yeah, mom lost her purse. We found that, so kind of had some events going on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then we came here, and that's that's kind of how the weekend went.
1: Yeah, it was a good time.
0: Yeah. So, I have Bri here, and want to ask her some questions that we've kind of been asking everybody that comes on the podcast, which is just the Chris and Andrew and Taylor and Ray have been the only guests that we've had so far, the people on the cast. But uh, what was what's one of your earliest recollection, recollections of the outdoors?
1: Well, my dad is quite the hunter, so growing up in McCall, Idaho... He would take the trailer out, and my mom and I would go with him.
0: The trailer being just like a camper?
1: Yeah, the camper, yeah. And uh, my dad, one morning, was going to take me with him, and I was probably like four or five or something, and I had those light-up shoes. Like, when you walk, and every time you walk, they, like, light up. And so I wore those out into the woods. It was like a beacon, I think, for the deer. Like, stay away, stay away. <laughs>
0: so here's your dad is a serious hunter, yes. And he's got a four, four, yeah, four or five, or five year old
1: four or five year something like that
0: with her little light up shoes trouncing through the woods,
1: yeah. And I was scared of all the bear grass because I thought it was like snakes coming out of the ground. So we probably made it like just out of sight of the camper. And then my dad, I think, quickly realized that we were going to get nowhere. So we just decided that all the deer were still sleeping and not awake yet. So we went back to the camper and went back to bed.
0: <laughs> so it didn't last long. First no. experience was a short one.
1: Yeah, it was very short.
0: Did you guys spend a couple of days out there, though?
1: Yeah, because then oh. I remember the next day we actually went out, like when it was light out, and we found like a skull of a either an elk or a deer, I can't remember, we got some like of the teeth off of it, and so I thought that was really cool. And mm-hmm. so I remember like hiking around in the woods and stuff. But I didn't really go like hunting a lot with my dad. That was just like the one time that. So this was out. probably
0: in McCall, yeah. like in Idaho. Yeah, when you guys in lived Idaho. there the first time. Yeah. So you you grew up and were born in Boise, grew up in Idaho, McCall, Idaho, until you were.
1: I think I was like ten or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then moved to the Bitterroot. Yep. And you, but you guys were pretty outdoorsy when you were there, camping and and well, you skied a lot. And we yeah. started in McCall. You, they had after school program.
1: Yeah, they had after school program. But I think just a couple days a week, I'd ride the bus and they would stop out there, and my friend and I would go and get off, and we'd actually get, like take lessons for like an hour or something, and then we just got to ski until our parents came to get us. So that was kind of a neat experience. Mm -hmm. It's called the Little Ski Hill. It's still there. The Little Ski Hill? Yeah.
0: I think we drove by that when we went and visited.
1: Yeah. And it had this, like, T-bar, and that's the only lift that it had at that point. And T-bar, you had to be, like, heavy enough to, like, kind of keep it down. And I remember I was riding it up one time by myself, and I got towards the top, and I wasn't heavy enough to keep the T down. And it kind of picked me up and swung me backwards, and I was being sort of drug up the hill, so it freaked me out. So whenever my friend and I would go, we would always be like, okay, sit real down, sit down, sit down, sit down, and just make sure that we could keep it so that we wouldn't get, like, drug up the hill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's the other uh, ski hill that's up there?
1: Brundage. Brundage. Mm -hmm.
0: And we, we skied that, I only skied that one time.
1: Yeah, that's changed a lot since I was there, too, when I was little, because that's where I learned to ski. Mm -hmm. I was on a ski team with three other girls, and we were called the Sapphire Ponies.
0: Yeah, but who was your instructor?
1: This, like, big, manly guy, and he was, like, wanted us to have some cool name, and we were the Sapphire Ponies. (laughs) (laughs) Heard his his complex a little bit. (laughs) But, yeah, no, Brendan is where I learned to ski. And then when we moved to the Bitterroot, then we skied out Lost Trail Powder Mountain, which is on South 9- Highway 93 in between the Montana Idaho border, like by Salmon.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're heading south out of the Bitterroot and you're gonna mm-hmm. head to Salmon, you're gonna right past it. Yeah. So that's also my hometown ski resort that I ski hill. Yeah. That I grew up on. Um, and we're both pretty biased about Lost Trail. (laughs) Like, we go everywhere else. So probably some of the best places that other people have ever skied. Yeah. And they're probably way better as far as lifts and villages or whatever you want to compare them with. But for some reason, Lost Trail is just kind of got that hometown.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they call it Powder Mountain.
1: I remember one time I went up there with my friends in high school and the day, this was on like a Sunday or a Saturday, something like that. And it had just snowed. 36 inches of like fresh powder.
0: That's tough when you're little.
1: We were in high school and it was, it was still tough for us. Like, who are we kidding? But yeah, we, uh, I took my friends off on this trail and, uh, I ended up crashing and like falling into the snow and it was kind of how all the snow like came over my face Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, I thought, I mean, this was nothing like this, but I mean like when people are in an avalanche and the snow just like covers your face and you can't, really orient yourself on, like, where, which way is up or down. Yeah. So, this is just a heavy
0: snowfall. This wasn't an avalanche. Yeah, either.
1: and, I mean, I'm pretty sure my face was only, like, probably three inches below the snow. I mean, it wasn't, like, bad at all. But I ended up, like, getting the snow off my face, and I was face up, but my head was downhill, and I had gone, like, quite a ways. So then I had to try and, like, get myself up and get my snowboard off.
0: Do you remember what what run it was?
1: Like, right when you're coming down to get on that, the rope toe, mm-hmm,
0: Like, powder bowl.
1: Powder bowl, yeah. 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 It was, like, right off that. And we kind of went off into the trees and then down in there. So, we ended up, like, getting our snowboards off. And I laid on my snowboard, like, my stomach, and literally just, like, swam out of the snow. That's like tough with the to snowboard, the though, because,
0: like, with skis, if you absolutely have to you can try to unclick because you can yeah. kind of if you kind of cross, you can step on your skis but a snowboard if you can't reach your bindings you're probably not getting out yeah so you're stuck upside down in yeah. the powder with your feet so then you just flipped over and
1: like... i think i was able to kind of like get my reach up there and click off my board mm. and then i was able to kind of roll myself because i didn't want to do a whole roll and then have my face, like face down in the powder with my board on. Mm -hmm. So I somehow got my board off and then, yeah, I was able to kind of use it to get me out of the snow. And then, yeah, I laid on my stomach on my snowboard and like swam down to the run. And, uh, it took us like a good 30 minutes to get out. Yeah.
0: I've been up there when it was, you get dumped on like that. Yeah. And you're better off to do the steepest runs you can find. Because if you get stuck in like the powder bowl area or somewhere that's, that you're not too familiar with and it's flat. Yeah. It's like you could get stuck and you could be working your butt
1: off. Yeah.
0: The whole day.
1: Yeah. We went in, I think we almost called it quits after that. Cause it yeah. was like, that was hard work and it was kind of, I mean, we would have been found. We weren't very far off the run, but still it was, it was hard work.
0: So you didn't do a ton of hunting with your dad and but your your mom and your dad were pretty big influence in getting you into skiing
1: yeah my dad more so because he grew up well he grew up in wisconsin which they don't really have a ton of ski areas there but they do have some and then he actually went to school in bozeman so they got quite into the skiing and then my mom is from oklahoma so she obviously didn't do She's anything a flatlander yeah are so both she, kind
0: of i mean minnesota a little now. bit yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: So they, uh, yeah, they kind of got into the skiing, and then I think it was more getting me into it, got them more into it, because then I would want to go, and I would need somebody to go with, so my parents would go, but yeah.
0: So your your parents both skied, and then you skied, but you had, did you switch to snowboarding after your first knee injury?
1: No, I was young. I was still in McCall when I tried to learn how to snowboard, so I was, I mean, I could ski and snowboard by the time I was in sixth grade, like I... Could do both of them, but Mm -hmm. then once I had all the knee surgeries, it was a lot easier on my knees for me to snowboard rather than ski because I can take the impact with like both legs rather than just one leg at a time.
0: Right.
1: But yeah, then my dad tried to snowboard, and he ended up getting a concussion because he caught an edge and slammed down on his head. He had a helmet on. Yeah, he had a helmet on. I think. (laughs) I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. he had a helmet on on, but he still got like a concussion and he like messed up his shoulder pretty bad so
0: so he didn't break anything but he did hurt his shoulder no
1: he didn't hurt his shoulder and he oh no no he didn't hurt his shoulder he uh has two like discs in his back that are no good anymore displaced so now he's having issues with that now
0: so, moral of story, if you haven't grown up snowboarding in your past 50, stick with skiing.
1: Yeah, or... you fall hard. Yeah. Or just know what you're doing before you try and go on runs that are above your level. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, with skiing aside and hunting aside, you guys did quite a bit of camping-type stuff. And you did quite a bit of hiking-type stuff. I mean, not a ton, but enough to where you guys were typically out and your dad would sign you up to do volunteer stuff with the Forest Service every once in a while. Yeah. So who, I guess, who would be, um, who was, like, your biggest advocate when it comes to your, act, like, your outdoor activities, like hunting or fishing? Well, not hunting, so we covered that, but, like, fishing, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So your dad pushed the pushes the fishing and the hiking and stuff more than your mom a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. But I didn't, I don't know, I think... Growing up, like, when we would go on family hikes, like, I always didn't want to go because I don't, hiking's not exactly, like, my favorite thing to choose, but I think it was because my dad would always take us on these hikes that were just, like, you know, let's walk uphill for five miles kind of thing because there's this little tiny creek that we want to look at, and so I kind of got a little bit. Like, I don't know, not something that I would want to, I ever wanted to do. Cause your dad's a
0: soil scientist.
1: Yeah. And he worked for the forest service. So he loves to be out in the woods and just like,
0: so as a, as a younger me. kid, it could be a little overwhelming to be Yeah. put into that, <laughs> hiking <laughs> and going out looking at soils. Right. <laughs> you don't quite find it quite as amazing. Probably similar to Lucas and the views that we were seeing versus the frog noises he was making.
1: Exactly. (laughs) He would much
0: rather be making the frog noises in the headphones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, but he definitely, like, pushed us to go outside and do stuff because we would go, like, ice fishing a lot. We would do that. Um, Now,
0: you scared your mom ice fishing one time.
1: Yeah, I was really little then, and I was walking around, and I stepped in an ice fishing hole
0: Like, it went up to your thigh or, like, up to your... Yeah, it went all
1: the way up to my crotch. And, like, so I was little enough that, like, my boot and everything... Yeah, because these aren't, like,
0: 12-inch holes, probably. They're probably, like, maybe a 10 or 8-inch auger.
1: Probably, yeah. So your
0: boot's small enough to fall in the hole.
1: Yeah, so I didn't fall all the way in. It was just my leg. So then it's, like, freezing, and I'm, like, crying, and so, yeah, that was... Well, and Pat's
0: relatively new to being a mother... Yeah. You're her first child, and you just fell through the ice, technically. Yeah. <laughs> so I can see where she You're is a little. A little scary.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've had a lot of adventures with uh, with my dad. Yeah.
0: Scary ones. But what I gather from most of your guys' fishing stories is that he never catches any fish, and no. you guys catch all the fish, and then he kicks you out of your fishing hole. And doesn't catch any fish.
1: Yeah. This, is, this
0: isn't just like one time it's happened. This is multiple occurrences of this happening.
1: Yeah. Multiple times. And the
0: only time your dad catches a fish is when he's out by himself.
1: Right. So I'm
0: thoroughly convinced that he's he's <laughs> paying other fishermen to take pictures.
1: Probably is. <laughs> yeah, no, we would, one time we went up to Flathead, must have been in the spring, like when the perch were all out, or that could have been the fall. I don't know. But we uh we went perch fishing and we were in shallow enough water that you could like see the perch in the water. So if the perch was not big enough, you could just like pull your lure and the worm out of the water so that that little fish that was coming after it wouldn't bite it. And then you would could like toss it in front of another one to try and catch that one. And we ended up catching like 80 fish that day i mean it was like no joke it was every
0: time you put so many
1: fish yeah so every time and i don't like touch the worms or the fish you know because that's just gross (laughs) (laughs) so it was like every time my dad would hook one of us up you know then the other one would have a fish on and then by the time we hooked my mom up then i'd have a fish on so he didn't really get to fish at all and uh and then we went white fishing on Flathead Lake and that's when my dad was mad that I was catching fish so he literally like stole my fishing hole walked up there and just started fishing right where I was fishing at because I had walked to the back of the boat for something so and I was catching fish up there and he was mad so he went up there and tried to fish out of my hole so I went back to where he was and ended up catching more fish where he was at (laughs) previous but I've pulled that with Chris too. So maybe it's just me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Bri, One of her favorite things is to outfish the boys. So there's a rule that I I put in place when we first started dating. Yeah. And it was like, as soon as you start fishing, outfishing me two to one, you get to take your own fish off the hook.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then I quit fishing pretty quick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Then she just hangs out on the boat. What are you doing? She's like, I don't want to touch the fish. Great. (laughs) but uh so your dad probably took you out fishing more than he did anything else
1: probably i mean
0: next to next to skiing and stuff you guys still ski and you cross-country ski and whatnot Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think it's just because it's a little easier for kids you know to help them with fishing and stuff rather than any of that but yeah
0: so what what are some of the coolest hikes that you've done because we did um, one that was really cool, and it was at Blodgett.
1: Oh, yeah. So, at Blodgett Canyon, which is in the Bitterroot Valley. And that one's really cool to do, like, in the morning, right before the sun rises. Because you, if you can get up there, and then the sun rises, the sun just kind of shoots right down that canyon, back into the valley, which is really neat.
0: And you're typically going to have good weather in the morning in the Bitterroot.
1: Yeah. And when nice you're in the
0: Bitterroot, in, especially in the... This was in the fall, wasn't it, when we were up there?
1: I think so, because there was snow. Yeah, Yeah, it
0: was just getting ready to snow.
1: Yeah. But I've done it, like, with my friends in the summer and stuff, and you have to get, you know, so you're up really early, but you have to get up there and hike. It's like a mile, 1.2 miles or something like that to the top. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, once you get up there, it's pretty neat to have that, just like.
0: Yeah, because a lot of storms in the summer, late summer and stuff, will roll in right after 4 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, all, it just it seems like if you're up at, like, Como Lake, it
1: mm-hmm. always seems
0: to be that water's choppier than, heck, from, you know, five to seven, and then it just goes silent. And, yeah. But in the morning, it's definitely better. And I've heard, I've heard sayings, like, for backpackers and stuff, when you're, when you're going to do a summit, you're on by noon and off by two. Yeah. It's kind of the goal. So, yeah, you go in the morning up Blodgett, and it's pretty dang, it's a pretty dang neat yeah. canyon.
1: Any of, any of those canyons
0: in the any of those canyons are pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and then the one there's a trail that goes all the way around Lake Como. I've only done the one that um, I don't even know what side of the lake is on—the beach side.
0: Yeah, the north side.
1: Yeah, so you walk in; it's like three miles all the way back in there to the um, to the waterfall that comes into Lake Como. Mm-hmm. And so when high water's
0: neat. coming through, it's Pretty, yeah,
1: it's ripping through there.
0: Pretty awesome waterfall.
1: My dad has a story that, because my parents used to scuba dive quite a bit, mm-hmm. and so they were up at Lake Como, and some guy got too close to the waterfall and, like, flipped his boat. And so then a while later, my parents were up there. We're talking, like, months later. My parents went up there and went scuba diving, and my dad ended up finding his wallet, this guy's wallet out of his boat. And so they went and gave him his wallet back because it had, like, I think like a thousand dollars cash in the Yeah, I remember you telling us like that, that story. So, I said it was Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty cool hike too, but my ultimate goal if I ever do this is to hike Trapper Peak which is in yeah. the Bitterroot Valley, and it's a pretty strenuous hike. Like, you don't just decide one day you're going to hike, trap, or peak. Like, you need to train a little yeah. bit.
0: Unless you're, like, in your early late teens, early 20s, just go up there and do it because you're probably good enough shape. But right. if you're going to be past that, you better be in some sort <laughs> yeah. of shape. You I think if, what you, if you're cautious about it, you can make it up there. Mom yeah. did it when she was young. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if Dad's ever done it, but Mom's definitely done it.
1: I definitely want to do that because it's just the views. I think are really pretty. I've never done it. That's our goal. We'll do it.
0: I think that should be a next summer goal, not like a lifelong goal. I think that we can top Trapper yeah. Peak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> next summer, we'll make sure we do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I'm sure there's other hikes, but I don't really remember them. But those are just well. We the did ones. the
0: one with my parents, uh, Heart Lake in Montana, oh, yeah. just we, just uh, north of say well i guess it would be um not north but it'd be west of saint regis
1: yeah which we needed to be like rock climbers
0: yeah that was a pretty tough one it like on the map i didn't really read the top of the map correctly and it was like oh this is real short yeah it's real short but it's straight up
1: mm-hmm.
0: like as the crow flies it was real short <laughs> it was like a half mile yeah but it was <laughs> like, not very long it was like a mile and a half to the lake and yeah so it was pretty straight up but Mom did good. We all did yeah, good. Yeah, we all found really huckleberries dirty up there. And
1: I think your mom ruined her shoes and all that stuff. But yeah, it was I jumped fun.
0: in the lake. It was freezing. Oh yeah, you
1: were naked. Ah
0: uh, yeah, it was. You could yeah see I was.
1: But yeah, I your white body from across the lake. <laughs> I was like
0: all the way across the lake and I jumped off a cliff. I didn't want to get my underwear wet because having wet well, underwear on a hikes never good. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up on the podcast. You're though.
1: welcome. <laughs> I jumped in the water
0: with no clothes on in the middle of nowhere. And it was cold.
1: Yeah. That lake was cool, though. I did one with my parents that was in the Bitterroot. I think it was called, like, Baker Lake or something like that. And it was um, not as strenuous as that hike that we did. But it was up, like, a little mountain lake. And we had, um, like, lunch up there and stuff like that. And we didn't swim, but um, I'm guessing it would have been cold.
0: Yeah, that's one thing that I wish we would have done more. When I was in the Bitterroot, it was check out all those lakes because you yeah. you don't really realize, but every one of those canyons have had to have lakes back in them. Yeah, and they're pretty cool. A
1: lot of hiking potential and possibilities and something that you take for granted when you're there, I think. And
0: well, and I don't think you realize how much you actually did do it.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Just like this weekend. I mean, we went and hiked that national or that the state park mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of people that probably have lived a long time in Kalispell and never even known it's there.
1: Right. You well, know? your dad's been working up there for how long, and he didn't even yeah, really know it was there.
0: Eight, almost ten years, and he didn't know it was there. Yeah. Which he's based out of Bigfork, so it's not like he's right there in Kalispell, but still. True. It was like a mile and a half from. There's an archery range up there too, and it's a mile yeah. and a half from where he took his pilot's lessons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's big in archery hunting, so it's like he well, could go shoot right there. Yeah. But yeah, so that was cool. We got to go see that and um, do another hike this weekend. But we've done quite a bit of hikes, mm-hmm. if you really think about it.
1: Yeah, there are a lot
0: Without things. getting Without getting like too into mountaineering,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, we did one by Freeman. It was the same one that Chris and Kinsey got chased by a moose.
1: Which one was that?
0: We went up there last summer, I think, last spring.
1: Oh yeah, kind
0: of on the you got to like head on the Palouse Highway.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Okay, we did that one. Didn't we
1: get lost?
0: No, that was over here on that. that was an embarrassing loss. That was at the river one. Remember, we went up oh, on the side of yeah. the river and we got into the flats and it was just snowing quiet and there's no trails. You could see. Yeah,
1: we got and we to kind of got
0: turned around, but we we th- quickly found our way back.
1: Right. But it wasn't yeah. like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: But this is what I'm talking about. It's on the Palouse Highway, kind of.
1: Yeah, I remember. I that think one. it's
0: Freeman Creek or something.
1: Yeah, I remember that one we had to kind of – you had to walk uphill quite a ways on that one too. Yeah,
0: and there was some kind of like mountain climbing uh, – Yeah. S- or rock climbing. Um, So like where rock – you can tell rock climbers go there to practice and stuff because mm-hmm. they had um, – clevises already mounted onto the rock wall, which is probably not a clevis It's probably something – a carabiner or something, whatever they call it. Yeah. But you could see where they would climb up these – rock faces We mm-hmm,
1: practice up there yeah
0: yeah um so you did, when you were down because you you took a trip to south america right or is it costa rica costa rica and that's not that's where's, where's central that central america. central america yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: and did you guys what did you guys do when you were down there
1: well it was a part of this like forest ecology class that i took in uh undergrad oh so
0: you were in college when you took this
1: yeah it was my freshman year the summer after my freshman year of college and we went down there we basically goofed off the whole time i mean did like we took a vacation and we um we went to so were you
0: supposed to be down there to like help out the local
1: well yeah we did do that we walked we carried a tree and planted it in a pre-dug hole (laughs) and buried it (laughs) We kept a journal the whole time, and we took some stuff to, like, um... Uh, At least
0: you're honest about it.
1: Oh, like, that's a lot, really a lot of people A lot of yeah. people,
0: like, take all their Facebook and Instagram oh, yeah. pictures and post it up there like they did something. But you're no, like, no, all. we that's took that we tree, put it in a hole that was already there for us. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's pretty much all we did. But we, uh, yeah, we went to, like, some different little, um, cities, I guess, and we stayed, um... In some pretty nice little... One time we stayed in this one little resort that was like a bunch of bungalows that you would stay in. And then it had like a, a swimming pool and stuff like that. And this was in Monteverde, I think is how you say it. Costa Rica. And so we saw... But yeah, we saw a lot of wildlife, which was really neat. And we um, we did do a night hike in the jungle which was very scary, because... Yeah, how was that? It was really eerie, and, like, you didn't... I don't know. At one point, we were walking, and I was, like, in the back of the line, sort of, and I heard this noise that sort of sounded like a jaguar, which I don't even think there are jaguars there. But I made my, I made my way to the front of the line, like, we really like fast. <laughs> but we saw, like, a lot of bugs and, like, tarantulas and spiders and... um. So that, it was neat. It was very eerie, but it was. It was Do they very have like neat. the big
0: banana spiders down there, like the big nasty ones? You're like oh, uh, they
1: were all huge. And They were just like bugs are
0: just way bigger there.
1: Oh yeah, and you're just like that is the yeah. biggest bug I've ever seen, and they're like, oh, that is just a little grass spider, and you're like, no, that thing is That's like a giant spider. Face. <laughs> that was yeah. a
0: scene from Harry Potter.
1: <laughs> yeah, this one time we were like walking, and the guy, the tour guide, was like, oh, stick your face in here. There's the tarantula in there, and all of us are like, are you nuts? <laughs> but yeah, it was like in in this little uh, it's little cave that it had like dug or whatever it did but yeah it was like a
0: <laughs> huge spider it was huge uh.
1: <laughs> yeah it was nuts but it was cool then we went like whitewater rafting which is nothing like it is in the united states because they said it was like a class three rapid and it was like just little ripples but it was still fun was the water clear i don't remember but i think so it wasn't I mean, like it wasn't, no muddy wasn't, like, missouri no, or no it was clear um yeah and then we saw We were walking back one night um, in this town that we were in. So we just kind of, once we were done for the day with whatever we were doing, we kind of had, like, free range to do whatever we wanted. So we walked into town just to kind of explore, and we went to this restaurant and stuff. And we were walking back, and there was this three-toed sloth that was, like, coming down from the trees cuz they only come down once a week to poop and that's it and then they go back up into the trees. So this thing was like climbing so across So it spends poop.
0: half its week getting up to the top of the trees where it can feed and the yeah, other it half its week
1: down. to yeah. come down. But poop. then if it gets mad, it like will throw its poop at you. So luckily this one didn't do that, but it was like climbing across the power line to like either come up or down, I'm not sure, but we so we stopped and we looked at that for like a good 30 minutes. And I remember it was really funny, because they don't really have, like, street lights, so it was it was dark. And we're, like, it was a bunch of us kids that were just standing there looking at this. And I remember our tour guide, like, comes out of the shadows and just starts, like, talking about it. And we all, like, screamed. Freaked because out. we, like, <laughs> we were like, where did you come from? <laughs> but it was pretty cool to see that. And we saw a toucan, which was neat. And... We did some like, like uh, the Fruit Loops. Yeah, 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 and we saw so we saw some sloths and we saw some monkeys and we yeah then we saw
0: so it was quite the experience.
1: Oh yeah, it was pretty neat. And then we went to this like this spa thing they had. So you guys was... were on vacation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely on vacation. But this, like, this spa that we went to, it had, like, five or six different pools. And it was all about, like, you go into the hottest pool, which you could not spend time in that pool. I mean, it was so hot.
0: 107 plus, probably.
1: Oh, I'm easily higher than that. I mean, you could not. It was uncomfortable just to put your foot in there. That's how hot it was. So... You were supposed to go into the hottest pool to, like, really open up your pores and, of the body and just, like, cleanse and all that stuff. And then you go to, like, cooler and yeah, cooler pools. Yeah, nasty
0: pool. Everyone else has been <laughs> cleansing. <laughs> yeah. But,
1: anyways, that was the whole point of it. But there were these water slides there that were... I promise you, would be illegal in the United States.
0: Just ripping.
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah. They were only, like, two and a half stories high. So, like, you looked at them, and you're like, okay, well, this will be fun to do a couple times. You, especially if you were, like, a heavy person, you hauled at the end of these things. I mean, our teacher... So, a grown man. Yeah, a grown man. Like, you... I don't know what happened in that water slide because there was not, like, a jump or anything in these things. It just, like, came down like a normal water slide, but just the way you came out of that pool, our teacher, before he hit the water, he comes out of the end of this water slide, before he hits the water, he easily went, like, 10 to 12 feet before he, like, splashed into the water. It was, like, it was nuts. And we were all just, like, this is crazy. (laughs) we're gonna get so hurt <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we were 100 percent on vacation
0: <laughs> that's cool so what was kind of the highlight of that trip if you were to like pick one thing you guys did like uh zipline too didn't you
1: oh yeah that was the highlight
0: but was okay. that was that as sketchy as the water slide
1: I thought ziplining would be a lot more, like, life-threatening, but it really, like, it really wasn't. I wasn't, like, I felt safe the whole time. But it's nothing like ziplining in the U.S. You know, like, you go to these places and they're like, oh, this cool zip line. I mean, like, ziplining in Costa Rica, we went across this, and I guess they do everything in, like, meters down there. So we went across this ravine that was, like, I mean, thousands of meters high. And you're just, like, hauling along on this cable, like... And, I mean, you get out in the middle, and if you get stuck or something happens, like, you're screwed. Because you, I mean, you can't, like, pull yourself along or whatever. So, and they always made you go with two people. So, like, my friend would, like, kind of wrap her legs around the front of you, and then you both had, like, cables to hold on to. And you stopped yourself, because you wore these, like, leather utility gloves, and you put your hand up on the, the wire that you were attached to. And as you got closer to the dock, you would, like, pull down on it, and that would slow you down. And so, like, both of you were pulling at the same time to, like, slow you down. But then you, like, we got to this one point, and it was, like, the Tarzan swing. And so they hooked you onto this wire, and they just pushed you off this, like, in this, I mean, platform. And you would free fall for, like, 25 feet, and then you would swing, like, Tarzan. And it was crazy. It was, like... It was fun, and I told myself I had to do it because, like, I was in Costa Rica, and that was probably the only time I'd ever be able to do it. But, yeah, it was scary. And it was Jeez. funny because, like, the little Costa Rican men, like, they don't really speak English, and so they... Because one's was just going to, like, go and hurl themselves off of this thing. So they would be like, like, sit down, and so you'd have to kind of, like, squat, and then they would literally... Put their knee underneath your butt and they would be like, scoot closer to the end. And then you would scoot closer and they're like, okay, sit. And then you would kind of squat and they'd put their knee under you and just like, with all their might, just like, hurl you off this thing. And yeah, away you went. And I don't know like, if they
0: would do that in the US. I think you have to be going your own free yeah. will.
1: Not here. Not here. Jeez. Once they clamped you in, they were they, like, they You're got going. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they caught you with this, like, noodle contraption that they had made, so they would, like, swing it around you and then, like, pull you in. So they let you swing, like, a couple times, and then, and then they would, like, somehow swing the swing. They you with the noodle. Yeah, pretty much. They would lasso you with this, like, noodle thing and catch you right around the mid, like, the midsection, and then they would just, like, pull you in. I'm telling you, it would not be legal in the U.S.
0: That's crazy. We'd have to sign
1: all kinds of waivers. I don't even think we signed a waiver.
0: <laughs> just jumped onto yeah,
1: the way. We just went for it.
0: Yeah. Jeez. I you've so you've told me some stories from that, but I've never heard that one. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it was nuts.
0: I wish you would do it.
1: It was very fun. It was something that like you know, I still would zipline in the US, but it's like no i I don't think anything's gonna beat that.
0: What's the one at Farragut?
1: That's like a treetop adventure it's, so it's something. This not, not a
0: zipline though. I think
1: there are yeah, there are zip lines, but then you have to like walk on like uh bridges that they've made and stuff like that, but it's all in the treetops.
0: Oh yeah, so you go from so, one to the next.
1: Yeah. That'd be fun to do that, That's too. That's cool.
0: I've only done a, a handful of zip lines and they were very short. Like just yeah. short little zipline type things. And they charge you way too much money for them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not really life threatening. I thought it would be way more like thrilling, I guess, but it's not. It's definitely thrilling because you're right. It's right, right.
0: there, like bungee jumping though. I just feel like it takes one person to become a statistic to like really ruin oh, it. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> that yeah. That and like parasailing because I did parasailing once in Hawaii and I thought that was gonna be oh is that the hard. one where they hook you to the boat? Yeah, I thought that was gonna be way more life threatening, but it wasn't.
0: Do they winch you out from the boat?
1: No, we literally sat on the back of the boat. And I had to go with... Well, know, they
0: that you were on the boat. Yeah. They hooked you up and then they winched you out. Like, they, they let the line out as yeah, you... Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I had to go with this other guy because I was not heavy enough to, like, pull it up. But, yeah, and then at the end they, like, pulled it down and they, like, would dunk you in the water. Just as, like, a fun thing. So we were... This guy and I were, like, the fourth group to go. And so I had seen every single time that they, like, would dip these people in the water and they would go like all the way under, and then some. Then they'd like speed the boat up, and then pull them out of the water again. So right as we went, I like pulled up on the harness, and the guy that I was with went all the way underwater, and I got like maybe my sh- up to my shirt wet, <laughs> just like my lower body, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Were your parents on the boat?
1: No, they oh. were on shore.
0: They were sure they're watching you.
1: Yeah, they were just watching and then they saw everyone else come back like soaking wet and I only had like my pants wet and that was it.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Have you ever done um a flight on one of those pontoon planes? Never have. I think those are cool. I
1: think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm sure it's just like flying in the plane that we did this weekend.
1: Except when you hit the water, it probably like sprays everywhere.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think it I think that would be a little intense to get yeah, I mean yeah. once you yeah but honestly being the passenger there's really no i mean stress you just kind of put your life in the pilot's hands and hope he knows what he's doing
1: yeah it'd be fun to do that though mm-hmm. especially if they took you into this like cabin in the woods or something like that and the only way in was on a float plane or something
0: i say, heck with the cabin give me a backpack and some supplies and leave me for 10 days
1: I'll stay at the cabin, and you can <laughs> stay. You can hike.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what Pete said. They do, like, backcountry um, flights, too, and they mm-hmm. take in hunting crews. But he said basically what they do is they drop off hunters. Yeah. The guys backpacking with horses and take all their gear, and then they drop the hunters off on the airstrips in the Bob Marshall or wherever they're going. Then they... So the hunter gets this cush service, yeah. And the guys are back, stuck back there tending animals and stuff. And then and then the hunter shoots whatever he shoots, and then they pack it out on the, on the mules or the, the horses. And he says it's not cost effective to haul everyone in and out on the plane.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I get that portion of it, but I was surprised that there wasn't that many people that would just hire him to drop him off. Yeah. You know, okay, I'll meet you back here in ten days, and I'll have my animal packed to the, and I'll I'll contact you if I get something down that back to the runway. Because one person in that plane with, I can imagine you could get a whole elk in one of those. Because we but had we had over six hundred pound of people. We had six six hundred yeah. pounds of passengers.
1: But how big does like a bull elk get? I mean, does it get over a thousand pounds?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But you, I don't know what they weigh when they're all cleaned out. Oh, true. But.
1: Like, if you wanted to keep the head, though, like, mount it and all that stuff. I mean, what if you, like, didn't gut the elk at all, and you just had the, you wanted to bring So, whole Dave
0: thing? Horner is one of the guys that's a pilot there, and he wrote a book about flying. Um, it's like gold, Alaska gold or something. And the way that he says he packs that plane down, I'd be surprised if he couldn't haul two moose in it. I mean, <laughs> I know it's a book, but it's like, the way that he describes flying this plane, i mean, just like...
1: This guy sounds a little nuts anyways, but...
0: Yeah, but he might hear this, so I wouldn't say too much about it. He is today. crazy. <laughs> but yeah, the book, like, the whole time the book, I read it, I was, I was using it to, like, wind down in the evenings to, like, get ready to go to bed, and I couldn't read that book because I'd be so... Amped up. From what I'm like, Jesus, David. Yeah, that is crazy. And and I'm like, Dad, this is the guy that's teaching you how to fly. (laughs) Like, are you nuts? (laughs) You (laughs) got in the plane with this guy. (laughs)
1: Yeah. At least he probably knows how to get himself out of situations, though.
0: No, but that was the first thing I thought about when we're I was talking to him about that. I was like, Oh, that'd be sweet to be dropped off back here hunt and then or do whatever yeah. and then come back and get picked up but he says it's just not cost effective for i I guess it wouldn't be cost effective for a guy to do it right right it's cheaper for him to get all of his guys back in there with horses and then to pay to get his clients in and just kind of cater to the clients which yeah. made sense that yeah. i thought that was cool like they, they fly back in these like grass um airstrips and stuff it's pretty crazy. cool that'd be fun to go do that yeah so maybe, that, maybe that's our next goal is to go back
1: Get dropped beat. off and
0: stay a night somewhere.
1: Yeah, one night would be good.
0: Two, we'll do two nights.
1: We'll compromise. Okay, two nights.
0: I want to do three so <laughs> one. We'll do two.
1: But that would be eerie, though. I mean, just, like, be in the middle of the wilderness, and you're just, like, watching this, your only ride back to civilization, like, fly off into the abyss, and it's just you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I think that was, that's what was lacking in our trip, where well, there was this false sense of security. In that plane, because you're looking at this rugged terrain, and it's like... I
1: I'm think just, I'm fine with that. I'm going to be
0: home in 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> I think I'm fine
0: I'm with that. Unless something seriously goes wrong here, Pete. I'm going to be home drinking <laughs> coffee in Starbucks in 30 minutes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm okay with that for now.
0: Yeah. I uh... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, before we went into that, you would have to get some shooting lessons.
1: Okay, the guns are just too heavy, so I just need <laughs> a gun that doesn't kick back so hard and hurt my shoulder, because I'm more worried about it doing that than...
0: <laughs> than the bear?
1: Else.
0: <laughs> more scared of the gun yeah. than the
1: bear? Oh, man.
0: So you, what have you shot?
1: I shot that little pistol or whatever that is that my dad had.
0: I think that was like a three oh eight or
1: something. Yeah, and a BB gun have shot a that special I can't remember which one it was. And then your gun that hurt my arm.
0: Yeah, I convinced her into shooting a twelve gauge. But we were using just the traplets for for skeet, so I figured it would be okay. It wasn't. Yeah. So I <laughs> bought we bought two boxes of shells.
1: I shot five. 50 shots. 50
0: shots and she shot five out of fifty. And so I was wondering why my shoulder was sort of the mistakes. I <laughs> didn't shot either. I go, like, God damn it. I'm sore. And I'm like, oh yeah, I shot forty five shots. And I hit like twenty. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad.
1: <laughs> and as soon as I got it
0: figured out, I we ran out.
1: Yeah. That's okay.
0: Yeah, I think we should get you a twenty gauge or something like that.
1: Yeah, I probably need shooting lessons, so
0: I'll give you some shooting lists.
1: Or I could just use my dad's philosophy in that you don't practice because you don't yeah. want to waste your best shot on your first shot. <laughs> he did get an elk last year that he way, did.
0: Like that that bugs me more than anything in the world.
1: <laughs> Which he loves, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. When he fishes with the worst looking lure and doesn't practice his archer shots and he catches Fish and he shoots a bull elk. That <laughs> bugs me, and I know he lives for that kind of bullshit. Yeah. So if you listen to this, Dennis, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy. <laughs>
1: oh man.
0: Um. So you didn't really shoot much growing up, then. No. You kind of turned into a girl girl pretty quick. It yeah. that was the soccer thing.
1: I had a rubber-tipped bow and arrow that I was oh, going right. to shoot a bull elk with when my dad left and went hunting.
0: <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> it stopped there. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
1: No, I had a BB gun that I would shoot. I Wait, got pretty did, good with you that. You did a hunter safety. I did take hunter safety.
0: And you did that with your dad, right? He went there with you?
1: Yeah. That was when I was in... Well, I was in Hamilton, so I must have been elementary I mean, like almost middle school. I was in middle school. It was middle school when I took it, like sixth grade. And yeah, so I did take hunter safety, but I just never, um, never went out to hunt or anything. Did they like let
0: that. you do the simulation? Did they have? Do they bring that in?
1: Yeah. So like they, they had
0: like the screen with the L coming across, and you had to shoot it. Yeah. And, like to. Yeah. Know, so you knew where the target the zone The kill, was, zone you kill was zone or whatever.
1: Was, yeah. yeah. Oh, I hit squad. right in that spot.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did ours in the Corrales gym in the grade school?
1: Ours was in the Assembly of God Church. I'm not so, sure why we were in there shooting guns in the chapel, but you know.
0: Hey, it's Montana, man. Yeah, you do what you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working on the road construction. This old boy that was from, I can't remember, it was from somewhere in the Midwest or something. And he comes up to me in his pickup truck. And I'm I was a flagger for the road, and I had the stop sign up. And he goes, "Do you know what the U?" Or he said, "The U.S. is built on the three W's: Winchester, Women, Whiskey." (laughs) Said, "Oh boy, (laughs) (laughs) you need to go through this really safely, sir."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) No, all I remember about hunter safety is that I was like so nervous to be able to identify a white tail versus a mule deer.
0: Oh yeah. Because
1: I didn't know if I'd be able to tell by the butts if they didn't have their <laughs> tails
0: up. I can't see their butts. I need to turn around.
1: I was so worried.
0: <laughs> oh it's surprising though. Like if you're if you haven't grown up around it, there's a lot of people that, you know, like for me it's just kinda of second you know, I don't yeah. really even have to second guess anymore. Well even just driving you know, oh, there's some mule deer. Mm-hmm. And so, Chris, when he first moved over here, you know, there was a couple of times when we'd be driving together and like, oh, there's some mule deer. And he's like, how oh, do you know the real mule deer? And, it's, and, and then now, now he doesn't, you know, question it all either. But he, he grew up on the west side where they don't have a ton of whitetail, I don't think. Maybe they do, but he I'm didn't really do a, a bunch of deer hunting, but now he has. And I'm sure he can spot them a mile away too. But yeah, it's kind of funny. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, you can mistake that. But after. Afterwards, it's like you're looking at a completely different species, almost. Yeah. Which you, I mean, you are It's like a different uh, breed of deer, or different
1: species species
0: of deer. Yeah, I guess I had it right the first time. Yeah. Um. I was gonna tell you on my hunter safety. Did you have to do the field walkthrough? Yeah. And so I don't know where they got all these guns, but there was there was one that was a gun that had been blown up, so the barrel was like half gone and like the stock was broken on it. I think they brought in as an example like make sure you keep your barrel clean cuz yeah. This could happen to you. And then there was one there was a bunch of BB guns. And so I had a BB gun and this guy's handing them out. And I'm I've been I'd been handling guns since, you know, I was 6, BB guns and stuff. And so I was very comfortable with handling my firearm and probably a little cocky. And I'm sitting in the field trials or whatever. We were walking through uh, just a test run, like, if we were, like, all up on bird hunting and Mm -hmm. picking out your firing zones, you know, what your shooting lane was. And I'm sitting there, and whoever the jack wagon was, they handed a 12-year-old this BB gun, loaded it, and didn't put the safety on. And I understand that that's the whole point of, like, this course is to, like, I check to make sure the gun's not loaded. Check to make sure the safety's on. So I'm sitting there with this little air rifle and I'm playing with the trigger because oh <laughs> I'm in Hunter's safety and board. And I pull the trigger of this BB gun and he goes, <laughs> and it fires in the field run. And I'm going, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not going to fail. And the guy goes, who was that? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't say a word. I just sat there. I'm like, hopefully it doesn't pick me. Don't pick me. <laughs> And so he, like, comes over to my gun and, like, pulls the trigger. And that son of a bitch was the one that set me up. He's like, oh, should have checked to make sure the safety was on. I'm like, you loaded it and handed it to me? What kind of parent are you? What kind of adult are you? You're not responsible at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> i was so mad uh, but embarrassed at the same time. Yeah, I'm more mad now looking back on it, but I was really embarrassed at the time.
1: Did they fail you?
0: No. I Well, I got marked down in the field thing. But, yeah, I'm discharged with a firearm in the middle of my practice run for hunter safety. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no,
1: no. I remember they had little, like, balloons on the end of the gun, some of the guns, for whatever reason. Oh, really? Yeah, but hmm. then we didn't that really... that makes it safe. <laughs> you. That'll shocked. stop you. <laughs> uh, it'll tell you whether the gun's gone off or not.
0: Oh, I think that that's a, a it's a weather trick, so if you got moisture in your barrel. Oh. So, like, people will take um, electrician's tape, too, and they'll put over the top of it if, if it's raining
1: to oh, keep yeah. water
0: out, because apparently if you put if you get enough moisture down your barrel, you can damage your barrel, or it can blow up, like that one that they brought in. So I, a lot of guys, I, some people probably put the balloon over top of it, too. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's probably what that was.
1: Yeah yeah we uh <laughs> you,
0: you, you make it gonna make me a balloon animal <laughs>
1: yeah i didn't know i was mad my dad even put a balloon on the end of mine <laughs> <laughs> no i think we just had to like go out there and then like the guy just asked like they had a a fake mule deer or whitetail out there and uh, they just asked you like what kind of deer is that and then...
0: It's fake one. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> a fake white tail. A fake deer. <laughs> and then I think he asked questions about, like, you know, if you're aiming uphill, like, should you shoot and stuff like that. And then, for some reason, I had to take my test there, because I must have missed the day that we took the test or something. And I, yeah, so I had to take my test at my field run. But
0: Oh, so you take the written written test there you never did the archery test did you Mm. so that was that was a separate um, course for us in montana i don't know if it is here but you had to do um a written and then you had to do a field run through with like learn how to track and Mm
1: -hmm. no i think i would yeah i don't know i just never hunted after that i don't think my parents ever like went to I don't know maybe I just like lost interest or something because my mom has a 20 gauge that I could have shot but I just didn't well it's not like all your friends were into hunting yeah
0: so growing up for me it was like kind of a natural thing to do Mm -hmm. you know dad was into it my little sister we kind of got into it because of me yeah Craig did it you know so it was like you kind of had a role model that went hunt hunted a lot and uh all my friends hunted So it was kind of a natural fit into my social network that I hunted. Yeah. So I could see where, you know, you didn't have a band of girls that went out and went hunting all the time. Right. I'm sure if we hung out, we would have went hunting a lot more. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Your sister's dumb little friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a different story. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we are at about an hour and 15 minutes now. So I think we made it through another podcast. Nice. So nice job.
1: Thank you for having
0: me on. Yeah, you're welcome. So anything else you want to add to your your first debut on the Cast before we sign off? I don't think so. Had a good weekend.
1: Yeah, it was fun. Now I have yeah. to go back to school.
0: I can't wait to get you. This is my next goal for uh, the next women on the BlindCast. Is I want to let you, Callie, and Kinsey have free reign of the, of the this microphone for one hour. But the rule is you have to talk about hunting and fishing. That's the only oh, rule sure of, the, of you know, the women's cast from the blind. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time um, on another BlindCast. Well, I hope you enjoyed another episode of BlindCast. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at BlindCast1. Again, that's BlindCast1 on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and hope you tune in next time for another Cast from the Blind.